You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Take. I am your host, Sean Bingham, and today we are talking about Jimmer Fredette. I mean, this is a guy, the most polarizing NBA D-League player that we've ever seen. In fact, he's probably the only D-League player that most guys can even name by name. But um, we're going to really break down Jimmer Fredette's career and uh, what might be in store for his future. But we're not doing it alone. We are bringing in some experts. We got the voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowlerjack, with us. And we've also got BYU Sports Nation host, Spencer Linton, who'll be joining us later as well. So, Jimmer Fredette, does he have a place in the NBA? What's holding him back? What's going on? I mean, this is a guy who broke onto the scene his junior year. He was able to beat Florida in the NCAA tournament, take BYU to the second round, which was a rarity back then. And he was averaging, what, 22, 23 a game. But then his senior year, his senior year was unprecedented. I mean, it was the, the nation's never seen anything like, like Jimmer in his senior year, averaging 29 points a game. He played 36 minutes. He only was sitting out for four minutes a game, 29 points a game, shooting 45% from the field, 40% from three. And it wasn't just threes. These are like threes against double and triple teams. These are threes from 10 feet behind the line, off the dribble. I mean, unbelievable skill. Gets drafted into the league, drafted 10th overall uh, by the Sacramento Kings. And it just didn't work out. He just seems to have not been able to find a place for himself in the league. He's been on several different teams and ends up going to the D-League. Well, in the D-League, he dominates just like he did in college. Gets his confidence back, gets that swagger back, shows his range, shows his skills, and now he's got a chance with the Knicks. Is it going to work out? I don't know. If it doesn't, it's like it makes you wonder, why does the D-League exist? You know, if, if a guy can dominate in college and dominate in the D-League, but he doesn't have a place in the NBA, what's the D-League even for? So, I mean, looking back now... um, on Jimmer's NBA stats, not his D-League stats, but his NBA stats. He's been given just 13 minutes a game, but with those 13 minutes, he's turned it into 6 points, 1.4 assists, a rebound. Hasn't shot as well, but still pretty decently, uh, 38% from 3, 41% from the field, 88% from the line. But what's interesting is that Jimmer is a guy who needs the ball in his hands a lot. At BYU, he had a light so green that... I mean, everybody could see it. It was the greenest light in the history of, of basketball. He could shoot from wherever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and everybody in the stadium loved it, including Coach Rose. That's not the case in the NBA, and it probably never will be the case in the NBA. Steph Curry has that type of green light, but uh, Jimmer's not Steph Curry. Sorry, BYU fans. It hurts me too. But uh, So the, the, the question is, could Jimmer get starter minutes? If he could get starter minutes, his per 36 stats, so assuming you know there's per 48 and there's per 36, per 36 is what I prefer to go off of because nobody really plays the full 48 minutes, but they do play 36. If Jimmer was getting 36 minutes a game, his per 36 stats would be 16.2 points, 3.7 assists, 2.7 rebounds. I mean, those are... And I actually would argue that his points would be higher because his field goal percentage would increase because he's a rhythm guy. He's a confidence guy. When his rhythm gets going and his confidence gets high, he's pretty hard to stop offensively. So then you go look at the defensive side of the ball. Is this what's holding him back? This is what we always hear. I mean, we know he had Jackson Emery in the backcourt helping him uh, at BYU. The all-time steals leader Jackson Emery was able to 
to, you know, they got in that two, three zone and he could make anybody look good up there, uh, defensively because he was that good at defense. And maybe Jimmer was, was resting a little bit because he had to carry such a huge load offensively. I don't really know, but I do know that he gets a lot of criticism for his defense. So you think of him guarding guys like the Westbrooks and the Chris Pauls and the Damian Lillards and even John Wall. It's like, I don't really see that going so well for Jimmer, uh, Ding up those guys one-on-one. And then if he if he's a two-guard, which you could argue is more of a, a natural two, even though he'd be undersized, there's the problem defensively. Is he going to be able to guard Dwayne Wade's and James Harden's? I don't, I don't think he'd be able to guard those guys either. But aren't there plenty of scorers in the league that don't play a ton of defense? Aren't there a lot of guys like James Harden, for instance, who don't really D up? Uh, I mean, is Steph Curry a phenomenal defender? I mean, I know the Warriors are, are great defensively, but are they each individually great or are they collectively as a team great? Is there a system, is there a defensive scheme that Jimmer could fit in to where they could use his offensive skill sets and then have him not be a liability defensively? Because that's really all he'd need to be is just not be a liability. So to help us dive deeper into this, we're going to bring someone else in. And that someone is an expert, the voice of the Utah Jazz, and a broadcaster that I've looked up to for years, Craig Bowler, Jack Bowler. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Sean. Good to be here. Awesome. So we're talking Jimmer Fredette here. You know as much about basketball as anybody I know, particularly basketball in Utah. Talk about Jimmer. Does he have a place in the NBA? Well, that's probably the question that's been asked, Sean, more than once. I mean, there's been multiple, multiple discussions about Jimmer and if whether or not he belongs, uh, you know, in the NBA or overseas. And, you know, a lot of teams, I think, have been intrigued with his play um, and have given him multiple opportunities, you know, to show what he can do. Again, system is, is very important, as you know, whether a player can be successful or not. And I'm not sure if he's found the right system yet. Um, obviously his play in the D league has been pretty, uh, pretty exciting and exceptional. Uh, you know, he's the MVP of the, uh, you know, D league all-star game and he's got all the ability to, to score. And, uh, the biggest, uh, I guess issue that all those who call themselves, you know, experts in this game, it's about defense. And what Dave mm-hmm. Rose was able to do at BYU was, was pretty much hide those, you know, defensive deficiencies because he was such an offensive threat and teams, you know, uh, were in awe of what he could do for such a long way. I've never seen a college player with such long-range ability, which yeah. made you think it would set him up to be a perfect NBA player from beyond the three-point line. But sadly, as you know, I mean, this, this, this league uh, is, is about defense as well. And I think it's come, becoming even more so. And I think Quinn Snyder and the Jazz are a pretty good example of exactly that. Yeah, yeah. So what what aspects specifically of his defense do you see? Because it feels like to me there's a lot of scorers and shooters in the league that aren't that great at defense, right? So what is it specifically yeah. about Jimmer that, that hurts him so bad? Well, I think what you're seeing at point guard play, whether or not he's a point guard or a two, uh, you know, he's a shooter first. And a lot of times when you're a point guard, you, you're a distributor, as you know. And so, you know, where does he stand in that mix uh, of, of guards? I know talking to Quinn, <clears throat> excuse me, point guards are starting – the need is they need bigger, longer, and taller guards, point guards, and Dante Exum would probably be the best example of that mm-hmm. at six six. And so, when you take it on the likes of uh, the West Brooks and the Damian Lillards of the league, especially in the Western Conference, yeah, John, you know, there's there has to be a combo of, of both uh, height, length, and speed. I think Jimmer 
probably lacks the combination of that length that you have to have and the ability of, of, of speed. Now he's you know he's an athlete. Let's be honest. Oh yeah. But at the same time. Uh, he can get lost in the shuffle on the defensive end, especially against stronger, uh, little bigger guards. So, you know, if, if a team needs a specialty player, then Jimmer's your guy if you can afford that. But I think a lot of times, again, when I talk to coaches around the league, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, let's just bring them up for a moment, you know, okay. Matt Bonner, the Red Rocket, he rarely gets off the bench, but when he does, he performs, and, yep. he, and he's a three-point specialist, much like Jimmer. But the bottom line is very few teams have that luxury uh, to have that type of player as their 12th guy who can accept that role. That's a very important thought, to accept the role they're in and then be ready and prepared to, to perform and execute when they're called upon. And so uh, my point is, you know, I think the league has definitely gotten away from just, okay, you're a three-point shooter, great, we'll, we'll hide you on the defensive side. Those days have kind of come and gone. I think, again, the Jazz are a pretty good example of combo guards, guards that can play multiple positions, both the one and the two. And I think Jimmer's kind of uh, sandwiched uh, out of that that definition. Yeah. Uh, but then again, if a team would need a guy, and again, teams, I think, still go out and search for that type of player, and he's gotten those opportunities, it's just going to have to be on the right situation at the right time for him to stick. Yeah. So let me ask you this then. Could things have been different for Jimmer if he had been drafted by a different team? It seems like the situation in Sacramento just kind of put him down the wrong path, and he's never been able to recover since. I mean, you you talk about system. I look at a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who was in the same draft as Jimmer. They went head-to-head in college a bunch. He gets taken by the Spurs, and now he's an all-star, finals MVP, defensive player of the year. I mean, how different could things have been, do you think, for Jimmer had he started in a different, you know, in a different organization? You know what? That's a pretty good question, and I, and I, I think <clears throat> I think what hurt him was the expectations, honestly, of being a number one round draft pick. Mm-hmm. What was he? Number seven? Uh, he was tenth, uh, uh, I believe, actually. Number yeah, tenth. So he was a top ten. Mm-hmm. And so what happens there is automatically expectations from not only you know, you know NBA executives and around the league, but the fan base in Sacramento expects obviously this guy just to take them to the next level. And those are, those are real situations. I think for all those, those lottery pick players, the expectations are you're, you're going to immediately, immediately help this team and rise to the top. Every player I think that comes into this league now, especially if you're a one and out guy um, at 19, Jimmer obviously had, had age on his side and yeah. more, more maturity, but um, you need time. You need time to grow in this league and understand, you know, what you are, who you are, and what you can and cannot do. And I think teams, you know, find that out. Uh, and down the road, they, they they have expectations of what you are. And if you don't live up to those expectations, and then obviously you're you're saddled and put in the back chair, and and then you you have no way of growing. And a lot of times, like Sheldon Mack, I think for the for uh, for the Jazz now, mm-hmm. he was a third guard in Atlanta, couldn't get off the bench, yeah, uh, with Budenholzer, and all of a sudden, given the opportunity, uh, in a consistent basis. Now it's only a two game sample size. Yeah, you, you say, wow, why didn't this guy play? And again, it goes back to Jimmer getting that opportunity, and you know, people say he has been given it, but I don't know if he's been given that opportunity on a consistent basis. No, and, and that's but yeah. you get into a rhythm, it's it's really difficult to to really judge whether or not he's a bust in this league or not. 
No, I, I completely agree there. So that was actually my next question. It, it, it feels like to me he hasn't gotten that consistent chance. You know, I'm wondering what his ceiling is because we looked at him. You know, I've followed him for years throughout his BYU career, and I've been following his NBA and D-League career. And, I mean, the guy was averaging 29 a game uh, his senior year at BYU, shooting lights out. I mean, ESPN was doing Jimmer range, you know, highlights during the, you know, for NBA players. And even, uh, you know, even in the D-League, he's dominating the D-League. What's his ceiling if he's given the right opportunity on a consistent basis in the correct role? I mean, he was on the college level, he was kind of Steph Curry-esque. I realize, you know, NBA is mm-hmm. a different game entirely. But, right. but uh, I mean, even a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who who was Defensive Player of the Year last year, you know, when he was in college at San Diego State, he was asked, uh, San Diego State played, I don't know if you remember this, but San Diego State played um, UConn in the NCAA tournament. Right. And, they asked, and that was Kemba Walker, Jimmer, you know, they were like the, the two main guards that year. And Kawhi Leonard was asked, you know, who would you rather guard? Who's the tougher matchup for you? Kemba Walker or Jimmer Fredette, and without hesitation, Kawhi said, Jimmer, for sure, he's the toughest guy I've ever guarded in my life, you know? Isn't that interesting? And, and now this is the guy that that's, the, yeah, it's like this guy now is the supposedly the best defender in the league, right? And so I just wonder, like, is there really not a place for Jimmer to, to really become an all-star, or is that is that just high hopes from, from people in Utah or people that are fans of Jimmer Fredette? Well, I think that's it's a lot of, of fans from Utah and uh, that that see him in a different light than other than, than the rest of the executives or or you know uh, league execs in the NBA. For whatever reason, again, it goes back to the speed, lateral speed, and, and again, I've only seen him several. You know, I'm I'm thinking maybe a half a dozen times as a pro. And let's be honest, the jump from college to the professional level is, is pretty dramatic. Oh, yeah. And, you know, every every one of these athletes are, are very special, and that's why they're, they're paid an extraordinary amount of money to play and entertain, you know, the, the crowds that, that we have in this league. Yeah. And I, I'd say I think that this, this, this topic, especially in Utah, is one that bothers a lot of people because what they saw in college, they can't understand why he can't duplicate that in the NBA now. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of analytics that go with this, and there's a lot of things with body size. Uh, again, speed, lateral movement, defensive up in the body, length of arms. Let's, it, there's there's so much that goes into an NBA basketball player nowadays, and the, I think all those all those things we were discussing are a part of Jimmer's probably mm-hmm. issue. I think as an athlete. Yeah, he's an athlete, 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 and one of the most pure shooters that ever came out of college. But you know what? What's amazing is it, I have to kind of do a correlation between Heisman Trophy winners and maybe a little bit here at Jimmer. There's great college players, Sean, but they just don't turn out to be great NFL or, or NBA players. Yeah, that's very because, true. Again, they they fit the system in college, and they do dominate the lesser talent. But when they get to that next level of talent, um, they just find out they don't have the, the entire package. And that's why this league turns over so often. Yeah. You know, the National Football League is if you, if you last three and a half years, that's pretty much the norm. The NBA is about five okay. because you have more teams that give you an opportunity to move around and, and you, can, you, know, uh, you can try to sell your wares there. But... You know, Jimmer's been given opportunity, but it seems like, again, only my opinion, when he's played, it's spot minutes. And every player I've always talked to is that to find rhythm, to find that that mental 
uh, confidence. You know, six minutes, eight minutes, spot minutes, it's difficult to ever find the true you. And I think Trey Lyles found who he was. Let's, uh, let's go back and use him as an example, the rookie out of Kentucky. When Favors and Gobert went down, he had the ability to start 29 games, and you started to see him get into a flow and rhythm of confidence. And now, since those two are back, he's been saddled to put back on the bench. And now I see him a little bit more meek and mild, and he doesn't really know his role now because yeah. Gobert and Favors are back. I think Jimmer falls in that same category. Uh, when when he when you were given an opportunity and you failed, had some turnovers, and they bench you or put you back as a as a second or third rotation guard, and you've got to automatically come out and be on fire for those six to eight minutes of rotation minutes you get. And you know what? It's about confidence too, Sean. And I think probably he was hit. And again, I haven't talked to Jimmer uh, about this, but the, the bottom line is. Confidence is such a key, and you can. It, Jack Nicholas says this so 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 eloquently, but confidence it takes years to build and just a moment to lose. Yep. And I, I think that kind of comes into play here. Jimmer was top of the world in the NBA, and I think he still finds in his mind a troubling question: what what happened? Yeah. And I, I don't know if we'll ever really find the answer. To be honest, I think if you break it down with with numbers, then you can probably decide that he just doesn't add up size-wise. But at the same time, you can also argue that Isaiah Thomas is 5'9", and, and he's doing pretty well in this league. But uh, yeah, he may, you know, the bottom line is Jimmer may be sandwiched between a one guard and a two, a yeah. point guard and a shooting guard. And I yep. just don't know if a team has the ability to really decide where they're going to put him. Where, where do you think he's the better fit, one or a two? I think, I think he's a better, he's a pure shooting guard. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't think that he has that speed, agility, the ability to penetrate the paint and dish. And I think he wants to stand outside and just help a team knock down threes and be a scorer, uh, whether it's inside the three point line or outside. That the guy has been a dead eye from from young age and, and, and to the common until today. So I, I think he, again, those two guards are six eight uh, or six six, like a Rodney Hood. And yeah. Jimmer just doesn't have that size to compete on the defensive end. And I think, bottom line, that's where it comes down to. If you can use him in spot situations, perfect. But, again, a lot of teams don't have the ability to carry a player and pay him what he expects. If he had been in second-round pick, Sean, this may be a whole different story. Yeah. Right? Oh, but yeah. But being a first-rounder and the expectations that ride with that, um, it, it, uh, it, it, it puts added pressure on both him and the organization. Totally. Yeah, and it makes you, I mean, you can't really, I can't really envision Jim or Dean up a guy like D-Wade even. And D-Wade's, what, 6'4", you know? But, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and look at the body <laughs> Wade has, too. 6'4", fast, low-built, just a burly guy. Uh, and I think, again, that's where we've seen a few matchups. You're spot on. I think that's probably the best example of, yeah. of putting those two together head-to-head. And as coach going, hmm, you know, how am I going to make this work or hide him? Uh, when this league really, you have to be a defensive player as well. If you're not, you don't last long. And Quinn Snyder would echo that as well. Yeah, no, for sure. I've, you know, and we've seen guys like do this before. You know, there was Adam Morrison out of Gonzaga, similar situation. Yeah. Led the led right. the country in scoring in college, and then just couldn't couldn't make the leap to the NBA. But uh, you know, currently Doug McDermott, he seems to be doing okay as a role player. Uh, you know, for Chicago, but um, you know, he's a lot bigger, I guess. So. 
Yeah, sizes, yeah. size. If you if we had Dennis Lindsay and 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 Quinn Snyder on right now, I think that there's you know Isaiah Thomas is just an oddity. So is Muggsy Bogues. You know, back in the day, but yet they were in uh, Nate Robinson who played at Washington uh, in college. Um, smaller players, more bullish attitudes, uh, and they were able to get into paint as well and distribute. Where I think Jimmer is more just a guy that's just a pure shooter. Plain and simple. Yeah. And I think you're, I think the best example of this conversation is if you did put him with, with Dwayne Wade, what would happen? And I think maybe we would get our answer right there. Yeah. <laughs> Very good point. So a couple of final questions about Jimmer. So what does it say about the D League? If if a guy can dominate in college and he can dominate in the D League, but he doesn't have a place in the NBA, what does that say about the D League? Like what what's the purpose of the D League? Has there ever been a guy that jumped from the D League to the NBA and like really made a difference and became a, a stud, or is it kind of a league that's still figuring itself out? Yeah, there it's it's a league where you it's like Triple A baseball or Double A. I would mm-hmm. think where guys have an opportunity to love the game and they're still. And I think Jimmer's another good example here of where he's borderline between the NBA. Can he make it or can't he? And the bottom line is, you know, I think uh, NBA execs still want to see if he can't develop into something. So it's a developmental league for a reason, and that's why players are there who still, in their own hearts, have hope. And because agents and execs have said, yeah, let's let's give it some time. And that's what the league is for. Um, you know, the Jazz have used the D-League fairly well for injury situation, 10-day contracts. Mm-hmm. And there's been players who've come up uh, who played in the D League? You know Elijah Millsap for one, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's um, uh, Chris Johnson is another one who's had some NBA experience, but has you know drifted back and forth. And you can say, wow, he is a borderline NBA you know player that can give you constant minutes and a, and a rotation player. So I think the D League's there for a purpose. Okay. Obviously, it's 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 a uh, it's a for teams that are involved with those those teams, if someone's injured, it's a guy that can call up on a 10-day, yep. fills the gap, and then back they go. It's like minor league baseball. You call up a guy, and then back down he goes for development. Yeah. So it's um, Jimmer can be there if he wants, I'm sure, for a long time. But at the same time, I've thought his, he could be a pretty popular player overseas yeah and i'm surprised he hasn't taken that route yet because there's some money to be made over there as well yeah i've thought the same thing i think you know it makes you wonder if he's not on a roster to start next season or even to end of this season you know will he will he finally make mm-hmm. that leap to europe so it's last like question Tebow. it's okay. like people yeah. sooner or later you have to realize who yeah. you are and what the situation you're in yep and and you know tebow was you know what an i i i'm a bull here we're talking football but i'm just a believer the guy ought to change his mind and cook go from quarterback to try to be an H-back or a tight end. I think the guy's an incredible athlete. Oh, yeah. Uh, with, with uh, you know, uh, the mentality to love the game. And for some reason, though, he wants to be a quarterback in the National Football League. And, and you know, this Jimmer and Tebow are very similar. You look they at really them, are, you go, actually. Why? Yeah. Why yeah. can't it happen? And uh, those who, again, make those decisions, uh, the release, the time it takes for him to throw, uh, decision making, but yet he's a Heisman winner, but he can't make it in the National Football League. Yeah, national like, champion Heisman winner, yep. but yeah, can't can't, can't translate. Yeah, really interesting. All right, last question. I, I got to ask it. Why have the Jazz never gone after Jimmer for dead? <laughs> I mean, if nothing else, they're going to sell tickets, sell jerseys, yeah. 
it fills a roster. You know spot, what? I've you been know? asked that Sean question a lot, and I tell you, I don't know the exact answer. But my personal feeling is this: if you do make it, it's quite a splash off the top. I'm with you. It, it becomes almost uh, maybe a sideshow where you go, you know, come see Jimmer, come see Jimmer. Yeah, yep. the tickets are sold. But if and when uh, this time comes where other teams have to make a move and Jimmer is moved out, then the Jazz, the local team, becomes the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of movement in this league with, with players, and they are used as, as pieces in, in, in trying to make a championship-caliber ball club. And Jimmer could be, you know, a lot of teams would fit him in to uh, the, the, the middle or tail end of a, of a three-team trade. Okay. Just thinking out loud, right? Yeah. So if, if by chance they would bring him in, they've got to be sure that he fits the system. And yep. we go back to that. seems to be the common thread of this conversation is the system. If they try him out and he doesn't fit the system, then they have to move him. Uh, and then that can cause, obviously, uh, some uproar within uh, you know, the fan base, whether you're a Utah fan or a BYU fan or a Weber State fan. Um, can you imagine if, if, if the Jazz had Damian Lillard from Weber State? The guy would own the, own the state right now, oh, yeah. right? Yep. Uh, and I think that's something that you have to be really careful about. You know, Hafa Arugio, who, who came over from, from BYU after he was traded or he was picked up after being a high draft pick, what, number seven for Toronto. Mm-hmm. So you always have to be careful about how this is going to work out. I think the Jazz has just decided uh, it just it, the system doesn't fit the, the Jimmer need right now. So And, you know, it could be too. I, I've often wondered, like, is it is, is Quinn Snyder thinking, like, yeah, I don't want to have to deal with we want Jimmer chance out of the crowd every game, you know? Right. Yeah, <laughs> as a, you're, you're exactly right. If you if, if it's the Tebow system again where they were chanting Tebow, Tebow, mm-hmm. you know, in Denver and – you know, he got second opportunities, and it didn't work out. There's fans that are always going to be Jimmer fans. I run across them all the time, and they ask the same question. Why can't this guy make it? Yeah. And if you're in the crowd and the coach has to deal with that, that puts a lot of added stress. And all of a sudden when he makes the call and, it, and the Jazz may be leading by 14, let's say, or 15, then he looks down the bench and goes, ah, why not? So yep. all of a sudden Jimmer's in, causes Jimmer mania. And then again, forces him to make some decisions that uh, to appease the crowd, which maybe may not be best for his team. Yeah, well, we'll see how things shake out for Jim or Craig. Really appreciate you joining us. Absolutely, and it's a great topic, and it won't. It's going to be around a while, I guarantee you. Absolutely. Again, that's Craig Bowlerjack, everybody. Bowler with some fantastic insight, and uh, you know, interesting thing he noted there. Um, He's surprised that Jimmer hasn't gone the D-League, or excuse me, the European route yet. And I guess I can't argue with that because from a financial standpoint, there's no question Jimmer would be making more money in Europe than he's making in the D-League. And from a, you know, a stardom standpoint, he could, he could really rule the world over there in Europe. But I think from a family perspective and from a career goals perspective, he's, he's still pretty young. He's, I think he's 25, 26. And he's got a couple of years still to try and make it happen here. It'll be interesting to see what he does at the start of next season. You know, if he if he doesn't finish the the season on a roster, if he doesn't start you know next year on a roster, is he going to go the D League route again? I mean, you can only do that for so long, in my opinion. But maybe he goes over and makes a bunch of money in Europe, and he's a star, and you know he plays over there for ten years and comes back to the states before he's got kids that uh, that are too old or anything like that. So. 
I don't know what his uh, you know what his real objectives are there, but I don't blame him one bit for trying to make a name for himself in the NBA because I think he belongs. So I don't think we've ever seen a more polarizing player in the D-League than Jimmer Fredette. I mean, the tweets that were coming in after he hit that first shot in his first game with the Knicks, the three at the end of the game, you know, a, a meaningless game at that point. I mean, I was seeing tweets of people saying, yeah, I don't remember the last time I watched an entire Knicks game, but uh, I stayed up for this one to watch Jimmer, and he didn't disappoint. And I mean, the crowd went crazy when he hit the shot, and it was like the Knicks were getting blown out, but everybody stuck around, and everybody wanted to see Jimmer in action. So people love him, or they love to hate him, but either way, they love him. The guy can shoot, and I think he's got a spot in this league, but uh, only time will tell. And with that, we welcome in a very good friend of mine, the BYU TV play-by-play man and the host of BYU Sports Nation, Spencer Linton. Spencer, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. This has been way too long for this to happen, Sean. I know, I know. I blame myself. (laughs) (laughs) Good to be with you. Dude, it's good to have you. So, I mean, as you know, we're talking about Jimmer. That's kind of the craze around town right now. Um, You know, give us your unbiased opinion about Jimmer for Dead. Does he have a spot in the NBA? You want my unbiased opinion? I don't know if I have that. Um, yeah, okay, let's let's start with this. Uh, I think a lot of people are, have gone after uh, Kurt Rambis, the head coach of the New York Knicks, yeah. because they feel like, well, he's he's not giving him a shot. He's, he, the tone doesn't sound good, doesn't sound favorable for Jim or Fredette. And, you know, so I've, I've kind of tried to defend Kurt Rambis because it's day two of his 10-day contract, and he only knows so much about Jimmer Fredette, and he's only seen him in one, maybe two practices. So before people make him out to be the villain, that he's just going to be the next coach in a long line of coaches that didn't really give Jimmer a shot, let the contract play out, and we'll, we'll see if he changes his tune at all. Um, but there's the case, the case against Jimmer is he's been in the league for five years, and you would think that at, at some point in those five years, he did have a shot, whether it be in consistent practices or enough game time where he really caught the attention of his coach. Um, and I know that his, his style is super unique and it might not translate to most NBA teams, but for whatever reason, uh, the shots that he has, has been given just haven't really translated, um, to the, the five different teams now that he's, that he's played for. And, and, um, yeah, it just, it's unfortunate, but Gabe Rose told me earlier today that, he, he feels strongly that if it doesn't work out in the NBA, there is absolutely a place professionally, whether it's in Europe, abroad, somewhere, where Jimmer can go and absolutely torch the Nets and make a ton of money. I think a lot of BYU fans and Jimmer and his family are, for obvious reasons, are just hoping that, that he can take care of that in the NBA. Absolutely known. So that's my question to you. I mean, you deal with tweets and emails and phone calls all day long from BYU fans. What, what are you hearing from them? Are they all thinking he should be an all-star in the NBA? I mean, I know when he was coming out of college, I thought he had that type of potential. I'm not going to lie. I thought this kid this kid could quite likely become an all-star. And I think the fact that he was drafted 10th overall says that there were some scouts that felt the same way. So do people still feel that way right now, BYU fans? Or are people starting to see reality? I think, I think that BYU fans are holding on to the hope that he'll have an opportunity to score the basketball just like he did at BYU, but he was, he was given free reign by Dave Rose oh, yeah. and rightfully so. I mean, he's an unbelievable scorer to just go and kind of do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. And he has, you know, amazing court presence and just a feel for the game that you can't teach. Um, and so Dave Rose kind of just let the slack out, unleashed him 
and said, okay, go do your thing. And the NBA isn't that way. Uh, there are a bunch of guys that feel like they can score at will, like Jim or Fredette. He just does it in such a dynamic way and generally from a long distance that it was like, whoa, who is this dude yeah. from Glens Falls, New York, who's shooting 28-foot three-pointers and making them at like a 50% rate during the game? It was, Seriously. You know, it t- took the nation by storm. And so I think BYU fans are hoping that just maybe a coach will unleash him a little bit for 15 or 20 minutes and say, hey, take the ball, put it in your hands, work off the high screen, and if you feel like shooting it from 28 feet, go ahead. You know, I'm not going to pull you out of the game if you go 0 for 3 or whatever. And that, that just hasn't really happened. The unfortunate part for Jimmer is Paul Westfall was the coach of the Sacramento Kings when he was drafted, and he's one of those guys that you said, Sean, you know, some scouts, some coaches that felt like Jimmer can have a scoring presence in this league. Paul Westfall is a run-and-gun guy, and he absolutely said, hey, Jimmer, let it fly, man. Go yeah. do your thing, get comfortable in the league. And then he gets fired, yep. you know, in the middle of Jimmer's rookie season, and it just kind of all spiraled downhill from there. And, you know, Jimmer has never played for a coach that really would have given him that sort of leverage or freedom again. Um, and, you know, now people are like, well, we've got Rambus here, too, who's doing the same thing. <laughs> it just, it just, you know, for whatever reason, the cards haven't played out for Jimmer to get what people feel like is a fair shot, but you know, you gotta, you gotta remember, man, like he's had a lot of practices in front of a lot of NBA eyeballs. And so to be fair to the situation, uh, you know, his, his critics are more than his supporters when it comes to like people that actually make the decisions about who plays in the NBA. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So he, I mean, we all saw what he did at BYU. It was unprecedented stuff. I mean, quite arguably the, the, highest profile college athlete that we've seen ever, you know, maybe Tim Tebow's right there with him, but. Oh, Jimmer, Jimmer is the Tim Tebow of college basketball. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, but the, the offense 100% ran through Jimmer. Is it possible that that actually kind of is detrimental to his game translating to the NBA? Because I don't think he has what it takes to, to be the star on a team, at least not a team that's going to go to the playoffs in the NBA. So is that hurting him at all, or what do you think there? Certainly, it you know caused him to pause and think. Okay, you know I got to fill my way into the NBA, and I'm dealing with a bunch of guys that feel like they should have been the national player of the year yeah. to some degree. I mean, guys that are next level for sure. And so, I don't I don't know if it was detrimental as much as it was just it's just a learning curve because there are a lot of guys that score the basketball at a high rate in college that are just unleashed. I mean, look at Stephen Curry. Yep. At Davidson, like he, he would have the same type of coach and mentality and backing uh, when he was playing at Davidson in North Carolina that Jimmer had from Dave Rose at BYU, and that was, hey, we're going to go as you go, man. So just, but Steph kind of adapted his game to the Golden State Warriors, and he's the guy that got himself in the right situation on the right team. I and mean, can you imagine Stephen Curry playing for a team like the Spurs? Yeah, it just it it doesn't really translate. No. It doesn't. They're a defensive minded. And so I'm not so sure that he would be the unbelievable superstar that he is. That is a, for, yeah, you know, that's def- a fantastic a, example, actually. Yeah, a defensive-minded San Antonio Spurs great Popovich coach. And so Stephen Curry, no question, is an MVP talent, but he had to find the right situation as well. And and I just – that hasn't happened for Jimmer for whatever reason. And I know everyone goes to his defense. Like, well, he can't play consistent defense. Well, Allen Houston played for the New York Knicks – and he's the general manager of the Westchester Knicks in the D-League, and he said, Jimmer's not a great defender, but he can hold his own, and he can score at any level. 
And so when really? a guy he like Allen that? Houston says, yeah, he can I hold he's that. not great, but he, he can hold his own. It's like, all right, hey, you well, know. let's let's put put him out there for 15 minutes, 20 minutes a game, and just see. Just put him out for three games, 15, 20 minutes, and just see what happens. Yeah. So, I mean, you do got to admit, you think of Jimmer trying to guard a guy like Damian Lillard or Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul, and you just don't envision that going very well. So then you think, okay, maybe he could try the two, and it's like, is he going to really D up like a Dwayne Wade or a James Harden, you know? Like, how much did Jackson Emery help mask Jimmer's inability to, inability to defend, or how much was Dave Rose saying, look, Jimmer, we need you to score 30 a game, so... You're gonna you're gonna take it easy on defense. Was that happening at BYU? Did did Jimmer not learn the right way to play defense, or what's what's the all the hoopla about that? I don't think that it it's Dave Rose saying, "Hey, take it easy on defense." Dave had some some good defenders, some good rim protectors. One of them was Brandon Davies, and I know Brandon didn't play for the last you know really important part of the season, but for the majority of the season he was there, and and Brandon did a good job of help side defense when the man got around Jimmer, whoever it was. Um, and he also had Noah Hartsock, who was, you know, not huge, but his timing was impeccable. He was a great shot blocker at BYU when you look at the statistics. And so there, there were some rim protectors and then Jackson Emery as well to help out on the guard line. Like he had good, capable defenders on the floor with him at most times. And that certainly, you know, plays into, well, Jimmer being able to get away with maybe some lackluster defense. And it's, it's against college athletes. College yep. athletes are not NBA guys. And so those disparities just become more visible when you go up a level. And Jimmer, to his credit, has worked really hard to bulk up in muscle, uh, to become more lean, to be quicker. He's worked a ton on his agility. And now, if he can just be good enough to not get embarrassed consistently and hold his own, as Alan Houston said, then sure, why not? I mean, it's, it's a process. He's 26. So it's not like he's old and he's, he's got better agility and quickness than he's ever had in his professional basketball career. And so, you know, why not? His shot's going up quicker. He's getting, his feet are getting faster. If he can be enough of a defender, let him have a shot. No, I totally agree with that. So, I mean, my argument is I, I think there's a place for him in the NBA. If a guy can dominate at the college level like he did and then dominate in the D-League like he has been, there, there's got to be a spot for in, in the NBA for a guy like that. And if you look at his per 36 minutes uh, averages in the NBA, this is in the actual NBA, not in the D league. So, you know, if, if he were to get starter type minutes, I mean, he's looking at 16 a game points, four assists, three rebounds. I mean, those are numbers that lots of teams would love to have out of a guy. It's just, you, you wonder, could he actually do that if he was ever given those minutes? And if he could, why is he not ever give, being given them ever? No matter what team he goes to, like coaches just don't seem to see it in him like us fans do. He needs consistent minutes, and it took him going to the D League to rediscover what his game was and to, to rediscover himself. Oh yeah, you saw uh, his saw confidence that. just come back to him a lot Absolutely. in these last couple of months. Absolutely, when he was, when he knew in his mind, okay, I have the support and the backing, and I'm a starter. And I've played in the league for a few years and I've practiced against elite talent for a few years. Like I'm, I should dominate this game. And he does. And so just to get those consistent minutes, priceless for a guy like Jimmer, because he got the feel back and D league guys are kind of like, you know, high level college players. So guys, he would have played, you know, like against San Diego state and New Mexico and, and he dominated those teams too. So 
just to have him getting consistent minutes is is refreshing. And I think that's why you know BYU fans and everybody across BYU Sports Nation got so excited about Jimmer just playing basketball again consistently and and putting up big numbers. And they're hoping, you know, just hoping that for whatever reason he gets a shot at the next level. The Knicks have the opportunity to sign him to two 10-day contracts. He's in number one right now. If they decide to kind of take a further look at him, they can extend that to a second 10-day contract. And then after that, they have to make a decision on whether or not they want to bring him up permanently for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, but hopefully he can, he can do enough. And I know that management had a lot to do with him being signed in the first place by the Knicks uh, because Kurt Rambis said basically that. Management had a lot to do with this. You know, and not many coaches are that open about that. Yeah. Um, so he might not be in favor of, of Jimmer and, you know, the sideshow that he creates with all of his fandom and whatever right now. But if he's a guy that can come in and hit two or three three pointers in the limited minutes that he has and they need to spread the floor, why not? Oh, why absolutely. not? The Knicks aren't going anywhere fast. I mean, no. they're, they've lost 12 of 14. And uh, I just don't see why you wouldn't just, just and- try it. And then had fans sticking around to the end of the game just to watch Jimmer get a shot off, you know? <laughs> the media in New York is super brutal, and so are the fans, but they want Jimmer on the floor. And so even if it's Absolutely. a failed experiment, they're not going to hold Kurt Rambis accountable for playing Jimmer for that for 15 to 20 minutes a game. Absolutely. So last question, then we'll let you go. Say it doesn't work out for Jimmer this year. Say say the Knicks decide to not keep him to the through the end of the season and he he gets to the start of next season still not fully on a roster what's the right move for him does he does he try the d-league route again or does he finally concede and go to europe i think jimmer believes he is an nba player and so because he got himself back into the nba with the knicks this year i don't think that he would make the jump to europe next year but if he didn't get himself onto another team after a full calendar year then i think he goes to europe when he's 27 or 28 and absolutely dominates and plays for, you know, a powerhouse in Spain, maybe Real Madrid or whatever, and, and makes a name for himself over there, makes some good money and enjoys seeing Europe with his wife, Whitney, and, you know, calls it good at age 33 or 34 with a ton of money and comes back and does whatever he wants to do. But Doesn't I sound hope too bad to me. That, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, he's going to make money somewhere being awesome and be idolized, whether it's in Europe or in the NBA, it's just wherever he's going to get those minutes and that opportunity uh, to go and, and display that. And so I'm happy that he got himself to the Knicks. That was a lifelong childhood dream of his to, to play for the New York Knicks. And so even if it's only for 10 days, like he suited up, he hit a three in Madison Square Garden as a member of the Knicks, and now he's forever a part of that organization. I know that means that means a lot to him. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, for his sake and for BYU fans' sake, I hope he makes it. I think he's got a spot in the league. Spencer, thanks a ton for joining us. We really appreciate it. You got him, Alex. Again, that's BYU Sports Nation host Spencer Linton. We want to thank him and Craig Bolajek for coming on the show today. Jimmer Fredette, will he make it or will he not? Again, I think he will. I hope he will, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. That's it for today's podcast. Be sure and follow me on Twitter at Sean Bingham, S-E-A-N-B-I-N-G-H-A-M, at Sean Bingham. And uh, check us out online, stbsportstake.com. Please be sure and subscribe to this podcast. Share it with your friends. Tell others. It helps us out a ton. And we will be back soon with more on the NBA and the all-time greats in the list that ESPN brought out. So that's next week's episode. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I'm out.
Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports. Yeah, the best.